This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elkshape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Hey, Elk Shape Podcast, Dan the Fitness Man. What's up? Today's the day we're going to sit down with a fellow blue collar elk hunter. Actually, white collar, but he does blue collar average style elk hunts in North Idaho on public land. He's a resident of Washington State. He also wants to cut his teeth on over-the-counter elk hunting in Washington State. Both are complete different style of hunts. One state, Idaho, actually has elk. Just joking. Washington has elk, but he wants to hunt the east side. We're going to talk to him, break down strategy on how to hunt Washington and Idaho when you have tags for both states in your pocket, something I've done for oh over a decade. Craig is a great guy. I don't know him very well. He just sent me a really long email with a bunch of questions, and I was like, man, let's just answer these on the podcast. He was gracious enough to come on, so thank you, Craig. A dive into the weeds on how to kill elk on public land, specifically timbered up elk in nasty thick country, i.e. eastern wash, uh, western Montana, northern Idaho, and there's other states like that that have just high, thick, density timber where it's not a glassing game and you're going to have to play the game. So we're going to break things down with Craig. This is a fun listen. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for tuning in. Without further ado, this is the Elk Shape Podcast. 
here we go. Here we are. You have some elk hunting questions. I may or may not have some answers that are good, but we'll find out. But I just wanted to dedicate time with you on a podcast answering your elk hunting questions. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. This is a fantastic opportunity. Appreciate your time. Oh man. The honor is all mine. So you're a local guy. You're in Spokane here. Correct. Yeah. I've been here in Spokane for 20 years, 21 years something like that. What do you do for work? Good question. Yeah. I am a hydrogeologist. And so what does that mean? Yeah. I, I support a lot of solid waste landfill clients with environmental compliance and also a handful of water supply well projects. Okay. So more importantly is how much time do you get to go elk hunting every year? <laughs> yeah, great question. You know, I work full time. I'm salaried. I get about as much time off as the next guy that's full time. I would say my only angle to be able to get to do various forms of hunting is to work some overtime, bank some overtime. So um, with that said, I love turkey hunting, duck hunting, and a recent passion for chasing elk around. And I would say annually, that's 10 or 12 years to chase elk around. So pretty, pretty short window, but I'm going to give it my best. Okay. Well, let's, let's hear your experience up to date. How many years do you have elk hunting archery under your belt? Yeah, good question. Definitely a newbie. Um, I have never killed an elk with my bow, uh, my bow hunting experience. Um, just to give you context, I will be 50 years old uh, this summer. So um, yeah, I'm getting started in the elk game a little bit later in life, but having a blast doing it. But to answer your question about my, my archery elk experience, um, I went to University of Idaho, um, I think graduating back in 97, 98 timeframe. And we did uh, do some archery elk hunting um, on the Palouse uh, area for a couple of years. And we had absolutely no clue what we we're doing. I mean, I think our, our version of scent control was to hang those little uh, scent wafers on our hats. And we, we felt like we were, we were good to go. Um, that being said, we did get some opportunities. Um, I missed a six-point bowl. I'm not sure how I got positioned to do that, but you know, so I would say a couple years back in the day, and I lost it. I, I got a job back in about 2000 um, in in Seattle. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of resources, and and it just uh, slipped from my you know uh, lineup of, of recreational activities. And for, for whatever reason, um, picked it back up. A couple years ago in 2020, and um, you know, last couple years, uh, Eastern Washington, a little bit of experience in Montana, and um, I have gotten into some bugling and some action, but have have not launched an arrow with any elk in the last couple years. But spent a tremendous amount of time trying to learn the game. I think that's what spurred, you know, getting into questions for you is that I felt like I was at a point where wow, I've got a few questions I want to ask these. I got a local resource i don't have any other mentors i'm going to reach out to dan and and just see if i can figure out my game plan this year a little bit tighter well maybe some of your questions will be some questions that maybe listeners have as well and then there's no snow guarantee man because i'm also a student of the elk game 
Certainly don't know it all. Have a lot of experience. That's all I can really say. Let's dive into your questions. I would I would normally just interview you and ask you some of my questions, but maybe we can do that later once I kind of get to know your story and kind of your level and, and what you're looking to gain and see how the conversation moves. So let's get into it. Yeah, sounds great. I, and I think the angle, you know, asking you some of these questions is that I think I you know, reached out a while ago and I have a lifetime hunting certificate for Idaho. And um, a couple of years ago, I, I would say that wasn't clear to me that I could just, you know, go buy an over-the-counter tag. I have to pay non-resident fees, but, you know, um, I'm in the resident pool for availability. So that being said, I have a fair amount of experience with the terrain in Eastern Washington and also North Idaho related to turkey hunting. And so I think my questions pertaining to you were understanding that, wow, you, you kind of know the, the, at least the Idaho and, and a little bit of Eastern Washington, I think, areas. And so I felt like you'd be a good resource maybe to firm up my plan. So um, with that said, yeah, I, I do have a few questions and I could just fire away if, if that's okay. Bring it, send it. Yeah, so I, I have done quite a few of the online information, including your Elk Collective, recently kind of doing Mark Levesay's online course. And long story short is I'm, I'm trying to firm up my written hunt plan for this fall. And it's going to be a mixture, I think, of North Idaho and Eastern Washington. And so I'm in, a, I think I'm at a point where, wow, I've probably got, you know, 10 plus spots where I want to get boots on the ground and plan to do that, you know, the tail end of turkey season or this summer. Uh, I think I'm more comfortable actually getting my eyes and boots on the ground on these spots. That being said, I don't want to just waste my time out there, not during the season. And I kind of want to focus what I'm looking for. And so really this question pertains to, I guess, figuring out pressure, because I feel like I know where elk are when they're not being pressured in, in a few areas, but the game totally changes. So I'm curious, are, am I trying to find just spots that are kind of out of the way um, and, and honey holes out of the way? And does that mean looking for some, some rubs or am I actually trying to find elk? Um, Mark Livesey's course kind of glosses over the concept of, you know, North Idaho as roads everywhere and, you know, good luck trying to find your own spot. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what it is I'm looking for as far as boots on the ground. And, you know, a related question is, you know, it seems like elk hangouts are coincidentally these areas that have been logged a bit back in the day or, you know, within the last five or 10 years to give that ground vegetation, but then inherently that provides a lot of good access and roads. So my, my question kind of is, do, do I want to just maybe stay away from those road networks and, and look at just old growth, the, the elk hang out and just plain old old growth? Or, you know, am I kind of just stuck with that conundrum of it's, it's going to be busy? <laughs> 
Blackovis.com is where I buy all my gear. I use the discount code ELKSHAPE. It takes 10% off. Very few exclusions apply. Shipping is fast and free. They're already great prices. And when it comes to getting your gear in your hands early 2022, it's never been more important. Number one, supply chain issues. Number two, inflation. Don't wait. Your prices could go up on everything. And number three, get the gear in your hand. Test it and vet it before the season. Blackovis offers clothing, footwear, optics, gear, archery, camping, several different brands, lots of SKUs. We've partnered with them because we believe in them. Use a discount code ELKSHAPE, save 10%. TheElkCollective.com is a website that I started with John Gabriel several years ago. We wanted to create a digital, virtual, educational learning platform where you could watch videos and learn how to elk hunt. Learn specific tactics from several different subject matter experts who hunt in different states. If you're an elk hunter, you've signed up for being a student for life. So join The Elk Collective and get going. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE podcast, all one word, and save 20% on your annual membership. Numa Outdoors, I partnered with them over a year ago. I switched from Sika Gear to Numa Gear. This brand believed in Elk Shape, and I believed in them. I tested their gear before partnering with them, and I was really impressed. Numa has an entire line dedicated to Out West, and here's your lineup if you're in the market. Get yourself the Base Haven Base Layers, the Pursuit Pant with the knee pad that is removable. These are breathable, athletic, good four-way stretch pants that'll help you maneuver and be athletic in the mountains. For a top layer, I recommend a Renegade short sleeve, long sleeve, or quarter zip with a mid-layer Alpha Vertex jacket or vest, and always have a Palisade Puffy in your pack to wait out storms. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your first purchase from Numa Outdoors. Faru International, this is the best backpack on the market in my opinion. First things first, get yourself the duplex light frame. Then you can attach any bag that you want. I have several bags in my arsenal, but my top three are going to be the hoodlum. The hoodlum is I'm going to use for anywhere from a five to seven day hunt. I can pack out an elk with it easily and I can organize my gear. The next pack of choice is going to be the 22 mag, a little bit smaller than the hoodlum. This is more of like a two or three day effort. Perfect for the elk hunt, perfect for the elk mountains, perfect for getting around and keeping your gear organized. Last but not least is the new Hellbender. This is the Striker XL on steroids. This is a pack that I'm going to be using exclusively in 2022 elk hunts. All three bags fit on my duplex light frame and with Kifaro you can customize your setup with accessories. I generally run on my right hip the water bottle pocket gen 2 for my Nalgene, a small or medium belt pouch and generally a small medium large pocket somewhere on the bag. You can also backfill with the Sherman pocket or guide lid and inside my bag I organize all my gear with Kifaro ultralight pullouts. When it comes to sizing your frame, the belt, the straps, they have great customer service. Just pick up the phone, give them a shout, tell them Elk Shape sent you, talk to their customer service representative, get the exact size you need, buy one cry once and enjoy the best hunting backpack on the market okay buckle up buddy i'm about to blow your mind i don't know if that's actually true but um let me give some context for the listeners we're just we're discussing eastern washington archery elk hunting i'm going to put some ground rules for that we're also discussing northern idaho archery elk hunting and I'm going to set some ground rules for that as well. So let's start with Eastern Washington. Anyone listening, if you can't get an elk tag this year, you can get an elk tag in Washington. We're not going to sell out. Our prices are not bad at all. So for 400 bucks ish you could hunt Washington as well, archery. However, Washington State is going to basically make you choose do you want to hunt the east side of Washington that's going to be the eastern side of the Cascades or do you want to hunt the west side which is going to be the western side of the Cascades uh, the Pacific Crest Trail is the, the the border and then you'll have the choice 
if you choose the west side to hunt true Roosevelt's or kind of those hybrid cascade bulls, which are kind of rocky, but yeah, I guess they're Rockies for the most part. They seem to have some characteristics like Roosevelt. That being said, Craig here has chosen to get an Eastern Washington over-the-counter elk tag. Elk densities are not phenomenal, and Eastern Washington does include several trophy units that are damn near impossible to draw, and Craig hasn't found out if he's drawn yet, but he will be able to put in for the Eastside limited quota elk tags, i.e. the blues. You got your Tucannon, your Western, Eastern Winnaha. There's several in there. I'm not going to go through them all. And those are really good hunts still to this date, even despite the mountain lion and, and wolf pred- and bear predation going on on the elk numbers. And then you have the rest of Eastern Washington. And there's a lot of options there. But the problem for you, Craig, is that Washington gives you a lousy number of days. I want to say 12 days. Is that is that the archery season days? Yeah, I think you blink and it's over, it feels like. Okay, yeah. So you're, you're very limited on time. So if you're going to have two tags in your pocket, which I think you should, you're probably going to have to spend those days in Washington if you find a good spot. You're going to have to scout physically in Washington as close to the season as possible to try to locate because locating or finding elk in eastern Washington is very difficult. So if you're going to hunt like Cheney, I'm just going to throw that town out there. It's a lot. There's a lot of elk there, but it's all private land. You could knock on doors. You could try to lease land. There's chunks of public land here or there, but there's absolutely zero guarantees that elk are going to be there. I personally don't and would not recommend wasting your time there unless you have some landowners or somebody you know and for the record i really don't even hunt washington i mean i have a tag every year but i don't dedicate time to it now you could look further north you could get to the Cawville area the springdale area even as well as up north along the idaho border and the canadian border there's a lot of we don't have we didn't have a lot of elk in the first place and then the wolves have just, we don't have a management system in place. And I don't want to just sit here and talk bad about wolves, but the bottom line is there's no wolf hunting seasons in Washington. You can't run cats with hounds. You can't bait with bears. They just eliminated our spring bear season. Our state loves predators. They apparently don't love ungulates. So the hunting's not great. So you're going to have to make that decision. If you find an area that, I mean, there are elk and there are people who kill elk every year in Washington, eastern Washington, over-the-counter public land. And there's a swath of public land. But you're looking for a needle in a haystack. So running trail cameras, doing some scouting missions, covering ground, all great ideas. But at the end of the day, you'll probably be more productive in northern Idaho. So let's move over to northern Idaho. Nine units make up the panhandle, units one through nine. Idaho did something two years ago. That's quite incredible. They decided to cap zones. So there's only a finite number of non-residents that are allowed to hunt these zones in Idaho. Some zones are just a couple units. Some zones are nine units like the Panhandle. So the Panhandle's got nine units that make up the Panhandle zone. And there's X amount of non-residents allowed to that area. Before that, it was unlimited. I mean, if you read the regs, Craig, you'll see that they're not managing the panhandle elk at all. Like 
they'll just put that in writing. Like there's just not a management plan or strategy. It's just, it is what it is. As you probably are aware, there's a lot of wolves in Northern Idaho, especially the more North you go, but they're pretty well dispersed by now. With that being said, Idaho, North Idaho has a reputation to have a lot of logging country. And with logging country comes a lot of logging roads, gates, skid trails. So a lot of access. And I would say for the most part, that's pretty true. However, the way that I want you to approach elk season is, okay, not too long ago, the panhandle for most of the units did not open till September 6th. I believe last season was the first year where they opened it back up for most of the units. They're all now opening August 30th. And I just want to fact check that with you. Is your opening day August 30th now? Are you talking North Idaho? Yep. I'll have to, I'll have to check when I, I assume it's early September or late August, but I, I don't know the actual day. I'm pretty sure it's going to be August 30th now. Whereas for years, they pushed it back to September 6th. I want to say starting in 2011. And just last year was the first year you could hunt August 30th. And so I think you need to identify areas that you want to go to first, regardless of the access is easy, regardless if there's roads. These elk have not been hunted yet. There's a good chance they're not going to be in places where they go once they're pressured. So you need to have hunt plans specific to that time of year. And you need to obviously understand elk's general behavior of, you know, it's not peak rut at the end of August, but if you're going to try to tell me that bulls don't bugle August 30th, I'm not, I'm not buying, especially bigger bulls start to kind of start heading that way to the rutting grounds. Bigger bulls start separating themselves away from the bachelor groups to kind of go get their testosterone levels up and smash trees and fill their oats, so to speak. So you catch a bull who's willing to vocalize August 30th, 31st, September 1st, September 2nd in the panhandle you got a high probability of calling that bull in. Secondly, northern Idaho, for the most part, is a vocalization game. It's not open country. When I used to hunt it, I didn't even bring binoculars, like, at all. It's it's 100% vocalization game. You have to call elk in, or you have to sneak in when they vocalize. But it's not, like, a great place to still hunt or to sit on a glassing master vantage and watch which patch of timber the elk go in. It's not like that at all. So I think your first job is to identify four or five spots that you want to go into into August and vocalize. And hopefully you can get cameras out. Hopefully you can get a couple scouting routes in so you can figure out the best way to access these areas, the best ridge tops to bugle down from into several drainages. And we both know North Idaho, you are starting high and elk are usually in the bottoms. They're little hell holes and it's, it's different than other places. I mean, the elk like to bed in the bottoms of these canyons and these drainages. And so you need to get up high so you can hear, you need to get up high away from running water where your wind and, and locate elk from ridgetops and you're going to do it via elk vocalizing. So maybe the elk honey won't be very um, fast paced in the beginning, but Craig, if you get a bull to answer you those first four or five days of season, I think those are your best odds in calling a bull in. If you can get your setup right, get the win right, and push his buttons, you should have a fantastic opportunity there. Now, to go back to what you said 
earlier was, yes, you will need to identify areas to hunt in the back half of September when the elk have been messed with because access is very vast and there's logging roads, fire roads, forest service roads, dirt bike trails, horse trails, ATV trails. I mean, access is pretty good in Idaho. So you would that's when you're going to look for the obscure areas where you're parking your truck on the side of a road, wading a river or a really big creek crossing going up some rocky, outcroppy, nasty thing just to get to the backside and you'll be away from people and you'll find that elk have sought out refuge there. In your scouting trips this summer, because you have the advantage of getting boots on the ground, absolutely it's a great time of year to go find or identify areas where elk have rutted in the past. Doesn't mean that they will rut there this year, but there are historical trends where if you see rubs that are one year old, five years old, 30 years old, and you just see, uh, you know, the indication that elk have always rutted there, then that's, that's a place you're going to want to mark up and maybe throw a camera out or whatever. I figured that would be the best way to start this conversation is kind of give you an overview of like definitely hit North Idaho right out the gates, then come back to Washington. If you found some elk to hunt, deciding on where you want to do there and, and, I wouldn't say waste your time, but only put productive time in on Washington. And if it's not good, pull out ASAP. I mean, your tag's 40 bucks. Who cares? And then go back to Idaho and hunt some specific dates. Now, I've killed majority of my Idaho bulls between the 19th and the 22nd. And the only reason I know that is my dad's birthday is the 22nd, and I've killed probably 10 bulls on his birthday. Uh, so I've... I, I don't know if that's how it's going to be for you, but I have had really good luck. And this year, especially if you look at moon phase and stuff, it's not a full moon around the 22nd, the equinox, the peak rut. It's not a full moon like it was last year. Should be pretty fire. Now, let's talk about time off from work. Does your employer allow you to potentially take off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Every week of September and maybe work on a Saturday or a Sunday when everyone else is in the woods. Because I'm here to tell you, man, Washington and Idaho sees an incredible amount of pressure on the weekends as opposed to the weekdays. Yeah, definitely. I have some flexibility and definitely take advantage of that. And I've found that, you know, very useful for, for just keeping my sanity for turkey hunting and for duck hunting. Um, and I would definitely, you know, do that for for elk hunting as well. So definitely hearing you with, with that concept. Okay. So with that overview that I laid out, which was long and lengthy, this is your podcast, not mine. I want to hear from you. What's your thoughts on like, was all that new information or was that like, okay, that's what I was going to do anyways, or any questions about that? I like the feedback on the first five days of the, the season being good time to try to find something that's focal. And if you do, you might be in business. I wasn't necessarily keyed into that. So um, I kind of had the mindset that, you know, it might be 85 degrees. They're not quite, you know, in the rut yet. So that's definitely valuable information. One question that I've got that kind of lends to what you're recommending here is, you know, really, I'm as a newbie, I'm trying to get into elk as many times as I can, I'm not going to be picky and, and I want to, you know, have as many opportunities as possible. And so what I'm trying to figure out here is what does that look like from 
locations and tags and, and strategies. And one concept that I'd like to put on the table here is I don't necessarily need to hunt Eastern Washington just because I'm a resident. If all of my time is better spent in North Idaho, great, and I'll, I'll do that. And it kind of sounds like that's the uh, scenario I should follow. But one question that I'll throw out there to you that I'd love to get your take on is, I have been in Eastern Washington woods in that first week of October, picking up my, my trail cameras. And it felt like there was a fair amount of elk activity and that coincides with the Washington muzzleloader season that from my read on the regs, if you wanted to get a Washington general season muzzleloader tag, you can still hunt with, with archery. And so what I'm thinking about doing is actually just utilizing kind of the late rut, early October in Eastern Washington during that muzzleloader season for, for Eastern Washington elk, basically just to extend the season. And, and then I would, you know, target North Idaho all, all of September that I had available to me. And a related question is, I, I think, you know, everybody or most people know that Montana has a little bit more of a liberal um, archery season that goes into to mid October and whether you have a general tag or they also offer cow B tags that are very economical and I did that last year and, and had a fair amount of fun going that that first week of, of October so I think I'm going to do one of those two strategies but I guess the question kind of gets at you know what do you think about the concept of using your time in you know early October in eastern Washington um, with a muzzleloader tag, but carrying your bow around just to get, you know, um, a little bit more, another weekend or another four days of, of elk hunting. On X Hunt, this is the number one digital hunting application. I take it with me everywhere I go on my phone. Download your maps ahead of time and you know differences between state, BLM, national, private. You know where roads are at, terrain features. You can do all your e-scouting from a desktop via the desktop version and have all those waypoints and information transferred to your phone, having a tremendous amount of confidence that it's not going to crash in the backcountry when you need it most and that you are legally hunting where you're allowed. The Elite membership will allow you to get free access to Hunt Reminder. This is a great app that will notify you when draw deadlines are approaching so that you never miss a deadline you also get access to top rut which has arguably the best draw odds in the business and if that wasn't enough you also get access to hunt and fold their digital publication with each state breakdown and analysis so you can plan your hunts ahead of time all this for 99 plus when you enter the discount code elk shape it'll take 20 percent off wilderness athlete this is a supplement company not a marketing company the difference being these guys spend their dollars reinvesting into product development and i have been partnered with them for a very long time they just came out with their new hero which is hydrate energize recharge overcome all you have to do is add water make sure you pick up a couple boxes of those for elk hunting season as well as hydrate recover energy and focus the green infusion daily multis fish oils probiotics protein powder post-workout pre-workout whatever you need whatever the goal wildernessathlete.com enter the discount code elkshape30 to save 30 percent off your first purchase Baku e-bike elite fat tire e-bikes to help elevate your game i use the mule people ask me why do i not use the storm because i hunt out west and i need the extra wattage to get up steep terrain find a dealer near you by heading to Baku.com for a quick little demo ride to see for yourself or get yourself a backcountry e-bike, a trailer, an extra battery. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to save $300 off your purchase and utilize these e-bikes when you're chasing turkeys, bear, deer, elk, any sort of trail, logging road, where legal, they are an awesome resource for you to get in and get out quietly. And if you have a trailer, hopefully you're hauling precious elk meat back to the truck. Black Rifle Coffee Company, I am a huge fan of coffee. 
probably guilty of maybe drinking too much, but I love Black Rifle. It's my alternative to Starbucks. These folks at Black Rifle are pro hunting, pro 2A, veteran owned. I can tell you right now, you guys should check out the coffee club. Join the club and you're going to get free shipping on your club orders. Automatic deliveries on your schedule so you can program it for when coffee should arrive at your doorstep. You'll get exclusive discounts from over 50 plus partner brands and you can always tweak, tinker, or modify your subscription at any time to suit your fancy. My favorite all time is the Flying Elk. That should be no surprise. Black Rifle is a huge partner of Elk Shape. They support our message of crushing the elk hunting learning curve and leveraging elk hunting. Check out Black Rifle Coffee Club of the Month. Enter the discount code ELKSHAPE. Save 15% off and enjoy America-driven coffee from a veteran-owned company. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. You can't, listeners can't get mad at me because you brought it up, but I'll I'll tell the truth. Like, the muzzleloader season in Washington is their best season. It's on a cyclical program, so this year, and fact-checkers, please fact-check me, but I believe it opens October 1st. It's a six-day season. It is every year. Last year, it opened on October 2nd, and the year before that, it opened on October 3rd. Now, next year, 2023, it's not going to open September 3rd. It's going to reset so the dates will probably be like October 7th is when muzzleloader will open. So you're catching the best dates in 2022. So if you get that muzzleloader tag in 2022, I think you're going to have the 1st through the 7th, which is absolutely insane. It's a really good time. Idaho shuts down everything because I think a lot of breeding happens in those days. So it's a great time to be in the woods. And the nice thing about Washington is you can hunt with a lesser weapon. So if you do choose to get a muzzleloader tag, you can bring a bow. And I'm pretty sure you don't have to even wear hunter orange, although you might want to. As far as the B-tag in Montana, it's another great option. Obviously, they have a lot of cows that go on to private. So you might be able to even contact some landowners that might let you hop on there for no fee at all just to help with their numbers of getting some cows. But you need to kill an elk, bro. Bottom line is you need to get one killed with your bow. And you need practice. You need reps. I want you breaking an animal down, packing it out. Cows are huge. I've never killed a cow, but they're huge. The meat tastes just as good as, if not better, than a bull. And you're getting reps at all the things that are good, like your heart rate's still going to be jacked. You're still going to have to make a high-controlled shot in a very high-pressure situation. You're going to have to pack it back to your truck and butcher it. I mean, it's all good things. So you're on the right path. I don't know what choice you're going to make. I would only hunt Washington if you felt like there was a way to get into some elk or, like you said, you had a trail camera or historical images that made it look like maybe you have somewhere that is productive because your time is limited. And I don't, you, you said as a rookie hunter, you need to get into elk every day. Well, bro, as a quote unquote experienced elk hunter, I need to be into elk every day. You just need to be into elk to kill elk. So I think you have a great program and I think you should definitely spend majority of your time in Idaho since you were able to get that tag. And it's so close that you could really get boots on the ground and eliminate all the unknown stuff like for me when I hunt out of state I don't take time off to go scout it I have to rely on my e-scouting e-scouting will only get you so far it would be really nice to verify your hunt plans go drive the roads go get go go look at the roads go see how good they are bad they are where people are going to probably camp how where are people probably going to access your areas and then go like inspect what you expect does this trail open 
Uh, is there a bunch of dirt bike riders on it? I don't know. The, the, the list goes on and on, but getting boots on the ground for you is a huge advantage. I hope you can take advantage of that opportunity and go verify your hunt plans. Yeah. So getting back to kind of the, the boots on the ground scouting approach, I have this mindset. Maybe it's just geared towards my turkey hunting experience, but if it's just old growth um, timber that, that hasn't have have some access to, to logging and some ground vegetation, you know, the turkeys really aren't there. They, they love the edge of old growth near logged areas and or any breaks in, in, in the cover. Um, diversity basically is, is what I'm looking for. And so if I'm applying that logic to, to elk, I have this mindset that I need some logging areas nearby to, to, to find a reasonable area. That being said is, I mean, would it, would it be good strategy to find more areas that really kind of haven't had much logging activity back, you know, higher or farther, less, less access roads? Um, is, is that a good strategy to, to kind of get off the beaten trap path or the elk not going to be there because they don't have the, the vegetation and, and the food? Great question. So there's two schools of thought on this. Um, number one, if you want to find remote areas to hunt elk, I do want to caution you commodities are time and energy. So a lot of times those can pay off huge for you. Maybe you find some remote nasty drainage, takes you four hours of hiking to get in there. You get in there, there's no elk sign. Maybe wolves were in there. Maybe just elk aren't there anymore. They were there. They're not there. Never been there. Now you got a four out or four miles back to the truck. Congratulations. You've wasted a full day of elk hunting and you only have so many. And so I don't like burning a lot of actual hunting time, you know, looking for elk that way. That's where the logging country will come into play real well because you can drive roads, especially if you have like an e-bike like I do, like in logging country, dude, you can do a 25 miles on an e-bike at night while everyone else is sleeping or get up really early, like midnight or 1 a.m., which sucks by the way, and then you go ride your e-bike and cover 25 miles and you're just pitching out bugles. You're just sending bugles out and you're locating where elk are. And I do think elk are more likely to answer you when the sun's down. I really do. Some people will tell you that a lot of elk, specifically bulls, won't answer unless it's between midnight and 3 a.m. And I've not found that to be true. I've found that bulls are very vocal at night and you can at least locate them. Now, this isn't a time to like have an interaction with them, bugle back and forth and get them all worked up. It's almost like got one located, drop a pin on Onyx, keep going and see how many you can locate. And furthermore, where can you locate multiple bulls? Before you started elk hunting or maybe back in your college days, I know when I first started North Idaho, it wasn't uncommon to have a herd bull, five or six satellites and 10 to 20 cows and these elk never shut up. It's not like that anymore, man. The age class has gone down. Thank you, predation. And you'll see younger bulls running a herd of two or three cows. So herds are smaller, they're dispersed. And that's a lot of just how it's changed. And so because they're dispersed, you need to locate multiple. And then locating at night is going to be your best bet. And then obviously logging country, forest service roads are going to allow you to cover more country than you treps in through the woods on ridgetop off trail you're not gonna be able to go as far or send your location bugles out as far and the nice thing about locating bugling at night sound travels further at night 
science, man. So you can really send it out there and locate. And maybe every half mile, quarter mile you stop, throw out a bugle. Yes, you're losing sleep. Get it, get a nap in the next day, but at least you're hunting elk now. In the non-logging areas, there's still really good feed and glades, and there's natural, there's natural areas where these elk are making a living. There's grocery stores there. It's just not it's just not a, like a, a clear cut like you would find in logging country. And so I wouldn't rule those areas out either. I would just do your e-scouting and figure out, well, is there a road system where you could park the truck, walk a half a mile and build a bugle into a basin at night or even during the day and then walk back to the truck, drive a couple miles, pull over, walk a couple miles, send some, I mean, you need to be efficient with your time. And so that's kind of what I'm tr- like, that's what I'm distilling this conversation down to is don't do things like normal people, average elk hunters who are back at camp every day for lunchtime or take a nap or hike their way back to the truck during daylight hours. They're going to hunt their way back to the truck because they're actually afraid of the dark or whatever. You're going to, you know, maximize all daylight hours and then maximize evening hours when you can't legally hunt. Well, you can still legally locate elk, which is going to be, as Mark Livesey would say, an odds multiplier. Yeah, this is great stuff. Um, this, I mean, I had next on my list, you know, some strategies for locating and I had, you know, night locating on there. And I've heard you talk about it. Others talk about it. And I guess my curiosity and question on that, in addition to what you've shared, is that it it feels fantastic in March <laughs> preseason. And, and so here's my, my questions. I, I tried to kind of do that um, the last couple of years. And I felt like, well, I'm, a, I'm kind of a morning guy. I mean, I just routinely wake up at 4 a.m. Um, just because. And so actually, you know, waking up at 3 a.m., no problem. And, you know, getting out turkey woods an hour before light. And so I felt like, okay, I'm just going to do this night locating in the morning. You know, I'm going to get out to my spot here, a couple pipe off, um, slam dunk, no problem. And I guess what I've found is it hasn't really panned out in the mornings like I thought, and maybe that's just the locations that I'm hunting. But it sounds like um, this is more of an evening activity and covering tremendous amount of terrain so that you can make decisions for the next day. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. So I'll give an example. Like, let's say I'm a good one to two hours. I don't know the distance because it depends on the country, but in Idaho, Northern Idaho, one mile is like three miles anywhere else I've ever been because of how thick it is, downfall, steepness. You just can't cover miles that much in North Idaho. But let's just say I'm an hour plus away from the truck or the quad or the dirt bike or the e-bike or the helicopter, whatever you got. As soon as it gets dark, I've run out of legal shooting light. That's when I will hike back to the truck. Now let's, let's take it a step further. Most guys will start hiking back to the truck. Like I want to make this crystal clear. With the hour left in daylight, they they do the quick math and they're like, I really don't want to be hiking back to the truck in the dark. It's harder to see. There's wolves, there's bears, and whatever else. I'm going to start hunting my way back to the truck. I am not. I am going to hunt where I'm at till I'm out of legal light. I love the last 30 minutes of daylight. 
I find the wind to be the most reliable, the thermals to be the most bankable, and the elk's guard to be dropped the lowest where I can make aggressive moves and sneak in and get shots. I run out of daylight and I'm in a good area and I and I didn't cover it all. I might point the needle completely opposite of my truck and start walking further away from my truck in the dark, sending out location bugles for an hour or two to see if I can go locate more elk to hunt the next day. Then it's up to you. Maybe you're like, you finally find an elk. You're like, okay, I got one picked out. Start working your way back to the truck. You get back to the truck. It's midnight. Maybe you have like a mobile setup like I do, where if I make it back to the truck, I'm pretty comfortable. I can sleep right there at the truck or you have a spike camp bag or a bivy sack or some sort of system where you can have the opportunity to hunt elk where they're at and you're not wasting commodities of traveling so much. I've never had a lot of luck getting up extra early to find elk. I've always kind of leveraged sleep as you don't get to sleep until you find elk to hunt the next day. So get to going and it's very motivating. And so, yeah, I do like to stay on the mission until we have the elk located for the next day. Okay. Yeah. That definitely helps my mindset. It does seem like that's, you know, a decision that is going to impact maybe day four or day five on, on sleep. But I hear you in that if you're not in elk, you're not going to kill elk and why are you out there anyway? So, um, that that's good, good feedback. Um, I think my approach of trying to find something in the morning, traipsing into your primary spot, you know, it, it, it didn't lend to covering nearly as much ground as what, what you're talking about. You will get an opportunity to earn some sleep back. I don't want people to think I'm just like a zombie out there, but man, my style of hunting doesn't involve a lot of calling. And so if I've, if I've had some late nights and it's adding up, but I'm into elk, it is not uncommon for me to hang out within 150 yards of a bedded herd with the wind proper and doze off for an hour or two. And I love being, you know, woken up by a, a midday bugle. It's my favorite. And there's just a lot of time I'll get my sleep while the elk are laying down as well. I generally don't like to sneak in in North Idaho on bedded elk because they're going to hear you coming no matter what. Those bastards always bed in places where it's super thick, where they can't smell. So that direction is where you're going to come in from. They're going to hear you. And then if you come below them where it's maybe more open, they're going to see you or smell you. And they have a knack for that. So I've always bubble hunted North Idaho elk quite a bit and then just made my move in those last 30 minutes. I think that's going to help quite a bit. So basically you're with your evening or in the dark locating scenario. If, if you're not on or, or not aware of where to hunt elk the next day, you're, you're night bugling to, to find something. And I guess this, the extension of this question is, I, I feel like a lot of us do have that, that hunt plan where they have multiple places lined out. You'll, you'll basically do that every day. If you don't have elk found that day, you'll implement that scenario. Yeah. I should say that I should have said this from the beginning, Craig, I have so many spots to hunt elk in North Idaho that it's actually a struggle for me to figure out where to go next. And that comes from 20 something years of hunting there, but I don't hunt there anymore. So 
the way I do it now is I'm hunting areas that I've never been before. And so a lot of times I'm burning the midnight oil trying to locate elk and that doesn't always work. And so then I am hunting areas on purpose where I can get really high with a spotting scope and normal 10 by 42 binos or 15 by 56 is on a tripod. And I'm spending all morning watching for elk, seeing what they're studying them from a long ways away, trying to recognize patterns, areas of opportunity, trying to get a consensus on where they, what the, what program they're running, which could change. And then if I have a play for that day, where you're talking about hunting is like you're literally cannot glass. There's nowhere to glass North Idaho elk. They have to talk for you to kill them. And so if you can't get them to talk during legal shooting hours, then I think you're going to have to to do what I'm talking about if you want to up your odds. And that's why I suggested only hunting two to three days at a time during the middle of the week, which will lower the pressure as much as it can be. And then working at your job or doing whatever on the weekends, scratch weekends off, catch up on your sleep. And the whole time you're not in the woods, you're sitting there like a psycho, like a madman like contemplating every hour of the next three days that you're going to do. And the only reason I know that is because I've done that before, where I've done that three on, four off program all month long. It's a deadly combination, man. Are you like me? Do you just love trail cameras? Slightly addicted to them? Yeah, guilty as charged. I work with SpyPoint. They have several affordable trail cameras. Some are going to be cellular. Some are going to be non-cellular. So the difference is being one, the Force Pro, non-cellular, very affordable, extremely reliable, just under $200. Or you can look up the Link S, that's the dark, or the micro LTE twin, where you get a two-pack of cellulars. They come with the SIM cards, so you don't need to pay out-of-pocket monthly to utilize your cellular trail cameras. You can download the free app and get your 100 photos a month that you choose. Cell trail cameras are where it's at, where legal, and where you have at least two bars. You're going to get extremely important real-time information, and you don't have to go in and disturb your area, get your scent ground and bump any animals. I like trail cameras from a biological standpoint. I don't really depend on them to get animals killed, but I do depend on them to understand animal behavior, biology, animal densities, and see if I can focus on patterns where I can take advantage and know how to get in and get out of these places. So I am addicted to trail cams. I love the app. It's bulletproof from SpyPoint. So check out SpyPoint when you get a hot minute or next time you're in the market for a trail camera. If you're looking for cellular, I'm probably going to recommend the Link S Dark over all of them. But if you're on a budget, get the Link Micro Twin 2-pack where you have two cell phone trail cameras working for you under $200. Or if you just want to run normal trail cameras, check out the Force Pro. There's a couple different versions out there. I use the Force Pro or the Force 20 both are really sweet and then last but not least if you already have a trail camera and you want to turn it into a cell phone trail camera they have a product for you called the cell link 59.99 attaches to your existing trail camera you don't have to have a sim card and it will start sending you photos to your phone check out spypoint.com for more information vortex optics a partner of elk shape since 2010 veteran known based out of wisconsin the vip warranty itself that's transferable whether you buy your vortex optics used from a buddy or buy it retail from a store that vip warranty follows your product no questions asked you break it they fix it we're gonna give you guys a quick little tip being a handful of months away from elk season one thing you can do right now, and this tip is presented by Vortex, is that you can start writing on the calendar your hunt plan, the dates that you plan on leaving, so that your wife or your spouse knows what you're thinking ahead of time. Sounds silly, but I used to not communicate very well with my wife and then surprise her right at hunting season and then, hey, I'm going to be gone the entire month. Not anymore. Now, as soon as I draw a tag or have a hunt plan secured, I'm up on the calendar writing it down and going over with it. Even though she's probably gnashing her teeth a little bit at me, at least it gives her plenty of time to plan around and make sure that we are on the same page. Happy wife is a happy life, and to hunt your best, things need to be dialed at home. This tip was brought to you by Vortex. Go to Vortex Wear and use the discount code ELKSHAPE to save 20% on your workout scouting gear that Vortex Wear makes. 
Thanks. Appreciate you guys' support. Matthews Archery out of Sparta, Wisconsin, rocking the V3X29 and 33. I think you guys know this by now, but I'm pretty much in love with that 29. It fits me like a glove. I like the 33. It's probably my favorite bow to shoot, but when we're talking about chasing elk in the elk woods, I'm going to pack that 29 around. Fits me a little bit better. I shoot it a little bit better. You should go test drive a V3X. I think it's their best product to date, and you can really streamline your setup by using the bridge lock to get the sight in the middle of the riser. You have the new Low Pro quivers that fit tighter than anything has ever fit to a bow. You can really streamline your setup with the new technology from Matthews. Plus, they run the cross centric cams, so you can easily switch out mods. You don't have to switch out limbs if you want to change your draw weight your draw length or your let off all that can be done without a press matthews archery killing it and i love shooting my matthews i'm absolutely in love you guys should go check it out at a dealer near you okay yeah so this this leads into my next question you're kind of setting it setting me up here um i'm curious you've mentioned a few times you've kind of transitioned from you know hunting in your backyard or hunting you know north idaho to you know more of a style where you're glassing so i can only assume that's a little bit more open and whatnot. So my, my question is, if you're trying to line out someone like myself to get more opportunities, I'm not married to hunting brush country, whether it be eastern Washington or north Idaho. I have, uh, I guess, resources, and I would say, hopefully in the next few years, I'm going to hopefully pull the trigger maybe to more of a flex time where I'll have more time. So I really can kind of drive the path of where I hunt um, this year, I'm, I'm planning North Idaho and, and Eastern Washington and maybe Montana down the road, but I definitely have the flexibility to, to drive and go other places. I've, I've done waterfowl hunts in Alberta and um, I, you know, I have family down in Southern Idaho. I, my employer works in, uh, or is in Helena and I make it, you know, to Montana to more open terrain. And so I, I, I can guide my own path to, to hunting specific areas that might lend to more opportunities. I'm curious, sounds like you've transitioned away from the thick country to more open. And what would what would be your recommendation, you know, for someone like me who just wants to to get some experience and confidence and 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 kill an elk and then I can decide on, on what I prefer and not prefer. But if, if you're recommending opportunities, does that lend to more of, of you know um, the brush country, the thicker stuff, if, if you, you know, you're calling or you're, or would you send somebody to more, you know, um, open terrain? Um, yeah. So I, I still love the brush country. That's what I learned. That's how I learned to elk hunt. And so there's a place dear and near to my heart where I'll probably come back at some point just because I love the misery, but it is some of the hardest hunting, man. I'm not going to lie. One thing to consider, and I'll just take you through some options and, um, you just kind of, let me know which one sounds the best to you. But number one, take that Eastern Washington elk tag and go to a trophy unit where it's limited quota, so less people, and you can legally shoot a cow or a true spike in that unit. So you'll be able to see some incredible elk behavior. You'll be able to understand what they're doing, what they're saying, why they're doing it, and you'll probably get a chance at a cow or a spike. That's what I would recommend for Washington because we're looking at just getting an elk killed. Along those same lines as Utah offers, Utah's got a bunch of limited entry stuff where guys like me with 15 or 16 points, I'm still trying to draw that once-in-a-lifetime elk tag basically in Utah. And when I finally draw it, I'm going to get annoyed at you, but you can be in the same unit doing the same thing trying to kill a spike or a cow and these units are overpopulation. Like they need these elk killed. That's why you're allowed to do that. But they're just managing it for trophy. So Utah's another cheap over-the-counter state. You'll have to look up which areas. There's a ton where you can 
use binoculars, more open country, study elk, try some of my tactics I'm talking about and kill a really cheap over-the-counter cow or spike and get some incredible experience. So Utah and Washington definitely, like, they tickle my fancy. Oregon just went to a draw on the east side, which is interesting because it's going to really put some of the residents who've been putting in for Mount Emily and the Winnaha for 25 years, they got to be careful because some of them are going to accidentally burn their points and they're going to draw some Eagle Cap Wilderness or Sled Springs, something like that. And they're going to be, I mean, so I think Eastern Oregon is something to start putting in points for. It's got a lot of country that's conducive to glassing and, and whatnot. And Oregon people are going to hate me for even bringing them up, but I'm sorry. We're, it's all fair here. Southern Idaho has got some pretty good opportunities as well, especially in the draw in East in, in Idaho. There, it's all bonus point, right, Craig? So just because I've been putting in for Idaho for 20 years and you haven't, doesn't matter. And with your lifetime hunting license in Idaho, I believe you get resident draw odds, which is super, um, super handy for you. Montana, the same, man. There's just a lot of opportunity to where the way Montana's going is they're going to wipe your points every, t- every two years, whether you draw or not. So you can plan on hunting Montana about once every three years at minimum on that general tag. And there's tons of different terrain in Montana not just Western Montana brush country. There's lots of options there. Nevada. I don't know if you're in the game in Nevada, but if you get rich, you should buy a landowner tag in Nevada. It'd probably be the most expensive and the best elk hunting of your life. Colorado has landowner tags. New Mexico has landowner tags. Don't buy unit nine. That's where I went last year. And that was a fiasco. New Mexico has got a bonus system where I've been putting in for 20 years. You haven't doesn't matter. We have the same draw odds. Arizona is another great place. Open country, half their ta- half their non-resident tags are completely random. So you got you got to swing for the fences there, man. Colorado for now has got a lot of unlimited over-the-counter opportunities that will change, mark my words, and they've already started doing that in the southwest corner. So I feel like I know a little bit about every state to give you just enough information, but if you're like me, I, I plan on hell cunning all of September whether I have one tag, two or three in my pocket. And every year, as of right now, I have one elk tag. You just don't know, right? So you have to kind of play the game, especially as you, you know, start to gain the experience. And um, if you keep hunting North Idaho, man, I call it the best training grounds in the world. You kill elk there, man, you're going to have a good go at elk in other states as well. Good stuff. What else you got? If you could pin down maybe a top one or few things when you were down going down your path of uh figuring this out what you know you probably had some aha moments of of, you know getting this figured out and gaining your confidence um is it just is it just experience and and getting enough encounters and then you get it done and then you've got that confidence and then that confidence builds upon itself is i mean if i had to relate it to the road that i've traveled with you know being a reasonably successful waterfowl and turkey hunter, um, it, it just kind of takes that confidence, a little experience, and you can shorten the learning curve a little bit with all this knowledge, but it, it kind of just takes the reps and, and the hard work. I mean, is it, there's nothing special, right? It just, you got to get out there and get enough opportunities and it, and it starts to click. I mean, it does. I, I'm the most paranoid elk hunter you've ever met, man. It's 2022. 
I haven't killed an elk. The slate is wiped clean. I'm treating this off season as if I've never killed an elk. I'm doing the e-scouting. I'm trying to get the tags. I'm putting the work in behind the bow. Everything's tuned. The training, the training sucks, but I know it's going to pay off for me. The nutrition's dialed. I'm turning down food that I would enjoy, but it's not going to get me closer to my goal. Like I'm just leveraging elk hunting because it's leverageable and it's something that you can really truly like make your life better. And you, everyone's heard my raw, raw speeches on that stuff, but there is nothing special. It's about being able to grind it out and know just like, um, I guess we'll say like a turkey hunt. Although in my opinion, turkey hunting is nothing like elk hunting. People will say there's some similarities and, and I wouldn't disagree, but the end of the day, man, turkeys cannot smell. So case closed, but, but you could go from a really shitty turkey hunt and 10 seconds later, it could turn into the best turkey hunt of your life. And that's the same with elk hunting. You got to keep your head in the game. You can't just mope down the trail, kicking rocks with your head down. Cause that's when, it, that's when your opportunity is going to strike and you're not going to be, you, you know, you're, you're going to be sitting there feeling sorry for yourself. And then you're really going to be feeling sorry for yourself that you just squandered an opportunity. So keep your head in the game, man. It all can change in 10 seconds. Grind it out. Spend as much daylight time hunting elk versus looking for elk. As far as just the, the North Idaho stuff, I haven't heard you mention of a hunting partner. So are you running solo? Yeah, good question. Um, I have a good turkey hunting partner um, or partners uh, for Eastern Washington. Um, but I don't think that translates into archery elk. So as fun as this has been the last couple of years, as far as I, I really enjoy the learning and everything, I, I, and that's part of the reason I reached out to you, Dan, is I don't have a mentor and I don't anticipate really having one, particularly for Idaho, um, you know, this, this fall. Um, I think my brother-in-law, uh, he's retired and that, that might change, but I would say his knowledge and intel is, you know, definitely a notch below mine and I haven't killed an elk. <laughs> so right now, yeah, I'm, I'm riding solo. I looking that, looking at that, like that's a bad thing. Um, I do think that it has its challenges. And, you know, if I had a, a somebody to, to buddy up with and, and uh, go that we, we looked at things the right, right way together, I, I would take that up. I just, I don't have that right now. I've got two kids. Um, I got a little, you know, late start in life with marriage and kids. I got a six-year-old and an 11-year-old. And like I say, I'm going to be 50 this summer. And I really enjoy the, you know, the fact that I'm working out to, um, you know, I, I feel like I have a target to get in shape for turkey hunting and elk hunting. But at the end of the day, hopefully it's going to make me, you know, live a little bit longer and spend more time with my, my family. So I think it's all beneficial. Um, I don't have a partner right now. That might might change, but I'm full steam ahead. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. My neighbor, in 2020, I completely buried a knife into my hand, and it was not a fixed blade. It was one of those scalpel replaceable ones that break real easy, and I buried it so deep that I actually, the doctor recommended surgery, which I might have, should have listened, but I didn't. Anyways, several stitches later, in a week of elk hunting down the drain, I got my hand healed up. Since that day, I've vowed not to use scalpels anymore in the field, and so I've switched back to Buck Knives, tried and true since 1902, made in America, tremendous amount of history. They're also my everyday carry, so you should check out the new Everyday Carry 22 lineup from Buck Knives. They got the 110 Slim Pro TXR. That's probably my all-time favorite for everyday carry. You can also check out the 110 
Hunter Sport Knife or the 112 Ranger 50th Anniversary Edition. If you're looking for a skinner, I would maybe consider the customizable 113 Ranger Skinner Knife. That's the knife that I customized for all my Elk Shape Camp, Spirit of Elk Shape Camp Awards, and that's the knife that we use to skin all my elk in 2021. If there's a knife out there that you need, they can customize it or you can peruse their website. Buck Knives is a huge supporter of Elk Shape. We appreciate them and we love being their neighbor. Please be careful when you're breaking down your animal and consider switching to a fixed blade just for me. Crispy USA. Crispy Boots. My favorite boots because they don't require any break-in, period. For stocking any animal out west, it's Laponia GTX. This is a very affordable boot. This is not a $500 boot. It's very athletic and it's a quiet boot and it's definitely something that could help you sneak in tighter to animals. So if you're a stalker, you might want to check out Laponia GTX. If you're looking for another affordable boot that's perfect for elk hunting, it's the Colorado GTX. I know cameraman Jake and myself, that's our both our favorite number one boot from Crispy. It's the one that gets the most use and two is one. I have two pairs because I like to switch out boots every day. The Colorados are not insulated, which is great for me to keep my feet from sweating. It has board lasting mechanical construction. It includes the ABSS ankle support system, which helps propel you forward. It's got a four flex rating. They're protected with Kevlar triple stitching, polyurethane coated, and leather rand. The height is eight inches and one boot weighs under two pounds. They're super light. They're fast. They're very athletic to help you keep up with elk. The last thing I want to mention about boots is number one, all your hunting starts from the ground up. Choose wisely. Number two, consider putting sheep feet inside any pair of boots that you rock. Sheep feet are a full length custom orthotic built for your feet specifically. Use the discount code ElkShape. It'll take 10% off your purchase. I run sheep feet in every piece of boot I wear. I obviously have several pairs of boots, but the sheep feet are always in there. I think they help me leak less energy every stride, every step. They keep my feet strong and durable. And the last thing I would want for any of you hunting is to have foot issues while trying to hunt. Hunt your best. Include sheep feet on your must list for 2022. Amen to that. Well said. Um, well, then let's end this podcast with vetting a hunting partner and then some solo tactics and we'll call it a cast and i really appreciate you um taking the time out of your day and and writing these questions down it actually helps a lot of the listeners as well and i just want to say man i'm not a hunting expert i'm just sharing some things that have worked for me and i certainly don't have this stuff figured out but number one i have figured out that you need to vet any potential hunting partner how you do that have them meet you at spokane valley archery at 5 30 a.m during the weekday like, hey, man, we got to both be at work by 8. Let's meet there at 5.30 a.m. Let's get 10 targets on. Let's bring our backpack and boots. Let's shoot. See if they even show up. See if they are willing to put in the work during the week when it's not that convenient. Set a date to work out. See, um, Or say, hey, man, I'm just going to email you right now. Let's work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 4 a.m. at this gym. I'll see you there. And see if they show up or not. Don't send them a reminder. Don't do any of that shit. Just see if they show up. Like vet your hunting partner. For you, you need to identify what's going to make or break a successful season for you in 2022. Dude hasn't killed an elk yet. Well, I don't know if killing an elk is going to decide if you're successful or not. I think identifying five to ten areas that you located elk in would be a very successful season for the future to come. Like figuring out some honey holes for yourself, figuring out what gear works for you, what gear doesn't, what rain gear worked, what gear, what pants got holes in it from the brush. The brush country is a real thing. What, what bow setup worked for you? I mean, like identify what's going to really truly be a successful season for you and don't make it like hinge upon a notch tag or not. Lastly, solo elk hunting calling. I'm going to try to help you out here, buddy, because I became a solo elk hunter. My dad and I had a lot of success together. But as he got older, he could hit it hard for about three or four days, and then he would have to take a day off. And then when he took his day off, I would go out and I would kill an elk. And I did that year after year, and I started thinking, geez, every time my dad, and I love my dad. My dad's my best friend. He probably listens to this. So, Dad, I love you. You're the best. I started, I'm like, geez, every time my dad takes a day off, I end up killing an elk. I think there's something to this where maybe it's I'm making decisions faster 
or maybe I'm not overthinking things and having a powwow on the mountain on which way should we zig or zag or how far was that bull or which way did the wind blow? Oh no, I think the wind's going this way or what do you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Decisions get made faster. Success or failure lands on your shoulders. No one's else's. So, um, solo elk hunting, solo elk calling and solo elk packing are all three different things to, you need to consider. Craig, let's talk about calling really quick. When you have a caller and a shooter scenario, most guys set up the shooter and then the caller fades back. Joel Turner, and I agree with him, he sets up the caller and then tells the shooter where to stand because the elk is going off that sound. An elk can drop a GPS pin on where that sound is coming from, like where you're standing. So as a solo guy, if you challenge a bull, let's say you work this bull, you're under 100 yards, he sends out a just a an amazing challenge bugle down your face and you cut him off and you bugle over the top of him you need to look very quickly at your terrain actually you should have already been doing this and see where that bull is probably going to stand to get eyes on where you're standing and as soon as you've cut him off you got like seconds to not make a sound and sneak up a go up ahead and get set up based on that last vocalization. So solo elk hunting's trickery in the brush country especially, but I think you can get away with it even more in brush country, is remember you're the shooter and the caller. Once you make that last sound, go ahead and position yourself and shut your mouth. Don't make a sound, don't break a branch, and let him come into the hang-up spot. You should get a broadside shot. That is probably the hottest tip of this podcast. So try to... Maybe practice that when you're scouting. Start practicing identifying hang-up spots. Visualize it. Okay, if I got a bull to go back and forth with me and now he's going to come in and and I made my last sound here, where would I stand? And you really got to get good at that because that's surgical and that will decipher if you get a broadside shot or not. Good stuff. You know, I've I've, um, your Elk Collective has all of this stuff in there and it almost takes listening to it for the fifth time for it to to sink in and maybe get some like encounters and, and then it starts to to make sense but um everything you've shared there f- fantastic oh man i tell everybody at my camps i'm like hey this is the fire hose you're gonna drink from it all weekend you're gonna go into the mountains this year you're gonna screw a bunch of stuff up and then what's gonna happen is you're gonna realize oh that's what they were talking about that didn't really click then, but it's clicking now, and I'll never do that again. You know what I'm saying? So it's just part of your evolution, but, man, you're way ahead of the game. Doing the Elk Collective, taking the e-scouting course, all that stuff, man. I'm just one of the guys that roots for everyone to be successful. I would love to see you get your elk killed, man. It would bring me joy because I know what it's done for me in my life. So I'm honored to take the time with you and do this because I know it helps you, but it also helps a bunch of people listening. So thank you for being brave enough to ask, come on here and ask these questions. Yeah. I appreciate it, Dan. I appreciate uh, all your hard work and uh, listen to your podcast. And uh, yeah, maybe one of these times I'll make it to one of your camps. And uh, Yeah. Again, appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Come grab a workout. I'm pretty regular at the house here. So 
got a lot of bow hunters that come over that I know and don't know. And they just, we just work out with bow hunters. It's fun. And are you on social media? Where can people reach out to you? Maybe they want to connect with you. Yeah. You know, I, I really am not, um, you know, Facebook or whatnot. Um, I have an email if anyone's interested, but, um, yeah, I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> so lucky. Yeah. Okay. Well, if anyone wants to get a hold of Craig, reach out to me, you know where to find me and I'll put you guys in contact. Just another normal dude who loves hunting average elk hunts, but above average effort. And that's what it's all about. Guys. Remember separations in the preparation We'll catch you on the next one. Okay, guys. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. Craig, thanks for basically putting yourself out there. And I wish you nothing but success. I wish all of you nothing but success. Hard work pays off. Put the work in. Leave no stone unturned. Have zero regrets when hunting season is over. That you put your best foot forward every day. Nothing was squandered. Effort was maximized. And let the chips fall where they be. Numa Outdoors, thanks for sponsoring this podcast on X Hunt. Buck Knives, Matthews, Archery, Vortex, Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Spy Point, Kufaru, Crispy, Baku, Black Rifle Coffee Company. I appreciate you guys allowing me to do this. This is so much fun to talk elk hunting. I hope you got something out of this. Please give us a five-star review if you're into what we do. We are selling hard work. Separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.